Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the base keeps running, running, and running. Five Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Roz, here at the opening line on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If so, it's time to get started. Let's go. Let's get it started. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the opening line, episode number four with Wits and Roz. I'm your host, Roz, and we are super excited to get into some more March Madness talk. We will do a little bit of housekeeping towards the end of the show, but Wits. I left you a lot of time here to get in some bragging. I know me and you had a successful money-making weekend. Our brackets took a little bit of a hit. But outside of that, I think me and you found the right parlays, found the right spreads, and really did a good job in terms of making some money this past weekend. Yeah, you know, it turns out, Roz, it was probably my best weekend of betting in the history of betting for myself. And it's been a pretty rough ride. You knew me through high school. It was a... Uh, Tough stretch there, betting on Mac football Monday. I was going to say, Tuesday, Tuesday night Mac was really big for you. Yeah, um, so every day, but went 16-6 and six against the spread this past weekend, and uh, it all started with the Oregon Ducks, baby. Quack, quack. Um, plus two against Wisconsin, kind of started the trend. And then uh, 22 games later, sitting up about 10 units, so it was, uh, it was an exciting weekend, and we're going to break down all the picks. Because um, I know the bracket picks after night one, Roz, especially for my bracket, were – Looking pretty subpar. Um, I mean, the text I was receiving from you were not of the highest quality. They uh, lacked uh, excitement. They lacked a joyous time, which March Madness to me is a very joyous time of year. But uh, yeah, you really turned it around once you got your gambling trend going. Turned it around, yeah, because you know, night one, uh, Nevada was a huge piece of my bracket, um, and they lose in pretty terrible fashion well we might uh, as well talk about that portion of the bracket since we were going to get into the recap of it anyways and the bracket's been really chalky and nevada not one of the chalk numbers to advance obviously taking the beat by florida me and you weren't a big fan of the whole 710 matchup in week one i mean i had Cincinnati <laughs> in the elite eight no longer you had nevada in the elite eight no longer i took out of nowhere seton hall over wofford wasn't even close and to start off march madness as a whole we both rode the Louisville train, and uh, Rick Pitino couldn't have saved that team as Minnesota took them down easily. Um, but that in that era, like in that arena, that was kind of the only time we saw chalk not being successful. I know we had Murray State and Oregon, which we're going to get into, but let's talk about that part of the bracket where we have Gonzaga, Florida State, Michigan, Texas Tech, one through four right there. What happened in the earlier rounds? I was a big Buffalo guy. They got outran by Texas Tech. You were a Nevada yep. guy, completely outrun by Florida. I know it was a nine-point game, but what did you get from this portion of the bracket, the West portion? Um, so like you said, Nevada, 
they, you know, they had a chance there. The Cardiac Kids last tournament um, just had a knack for coming back in the second half, and they cut the lead down to one point. I thought they were going to pull through, but they, they didn't. And then, you know, Florida looked like they could be a pretty tough team. Um, I thought Michigan would be an early out, but Michigan really wiped the floor with the Gators, and that's why they find themselves in the Sweet 16. Um, I think we both had Buffalo. Had a, we're feeling pretty good about them. And I actually had Buffalo beating Texas Tech, advancing to play what I thought would be Nevada. But give the Red Raiders credit. They absolutely destroyed Buffalo. Um, Looked like the superior team. The game was not really close the entire time. Well, Texas Texas Tech Tech, played their perfect game. And that's what me and you kind of talked about on last week's show. They scored. They weren't slowed down. And Buffalo, they couldn't find their pace that they like to play at. and. Texas Tech, if you're they're shooting like that, if you can run the half court the way they do, and even match kind of the fast break uh, that Buffalo likes to run, that's the way to win. And they shut them out. At one point, they were up 30. So that 20-point win doesn't even tell the full story. Texas Tech absolutely obliterated them. Uh, and they're headed to face Michigan, a game that me and you are going to have trouble breaking down later. But me and you, tough go. I had Buffalo in the Sweet 16, you having Nevada. Uh, we chalk should have been the play for us, but it, what fun yeah. is that when you're all going chalk? Yeah, you know it's very chalky. Um, I know we were on opposite sides of that Marquette Murray State game, and oh boy, Marquette, they were. I think they were as bad as a lot of people thought, and I just I didn't believe it. But you know, 19 point victory in the first round. John Morant triple double looked unstoppable, and I think a lot of people were riding high on Murray State against Florida State, but I just, I don't know if people realized how bad this Marquette team was. Um, And Florida State, you know, I know we had them minus four, um, and they just wiped the floor with Murray State. I mean, John Moran, as good as he is, couldn't compete with, you know, all the athleticism of Florida State, and that ended up being a 30-point ball game. And I think Um, they really exposed Murray State as a whole. I mean, John Moran is is the player he is. He's going to be a top pick in the NBA draft. And John Moran... You know, he could beat Marquette by himself, but Florida State, I think, Hold just all around the floor, couldn't do it. And then looking at the top of the bracket, who I think is going to come out of this West region, the Gonzaga Bulldogs have, they've looked pretty solid, I have to say. You know, a 36-point 30, victory in the opening round versus Farley Dickinson. You know, I know it's a 1-versus-16, but they look pretty good. And then a pretty decent win against Baylor in the second round. It was a 12-point game, and I know that sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings, we had a couple uh, opposite sides of the of the bet there at minus, was it minus 13 and a half, 14 and a half? For Baylor? Right. Yeah, that was a, it was a big spread for sure. And, uh, big spread. So they didn't, they didn't end up covering, but played a very good game, and I think this is an interesting matchup in the Sweet 16 here, Roz. You know, Gonzaga is a seven-point favorite right now over Florida State, and it seems like this game should be pretty close, but I kind of like the Bulldogs here. I don't think that I don't think Florida State's ready for a team like Gonzaga after, you know, facing, a, you know, what they are, a mid-major team in Murray State. I think they're going to be uh, in for a surprise, and I, I think Gonzaga moves on pretty easily to the Elite Eight in this one. Right, so we're going to get into the Sweet 16, at least on the West portion right now, and the seven points is a lot of points for me. And you said they might not be ready to face Gonzaga. Well, they already have. They faced them a year ago and, in fact, beat them a year ago. I like mm-hmm. this Florida State team. They've brought everybody back. I know Gonzaga has new weapons and also has returning players. Do I think Gonzaga loses? No. But I don't think seven is fair. I think Florida State's going to keep this thing close. 
Just look at Gonzaga's play against Baylor. You forget to mention that you took them minus 13 and a half. They were up that. They were up 20. They were running away with the game the entire time. Baylor is the one who made a very nice comeback and cut it to single digits and really looked like they were going to put the fear in Gonzaga's heart. I think Gonzaga gets past Florida State since we're on it. I just am going to take Florida State in the points. Plus seven is very sexy to me. You can get them at plus seven and a half some other places. That way you don't have to worry about uh, a push with your bookie. I do like Florida State with the spread. Do like Gonzaga with the game. I think the toughest one is Texas Tech-Michigan for me and you. The two-point spread. You got the Big Ten versus the Big 12, and we've seen flashes from both of them. Really the Big Ten who started the tournament 7-1, and one, which is absolutely crazy and really stuck it to me. I didn't think the Big Ten was coming in on their hottest performances. But minus two, we saw Texas Tech run through their opponents all the way to this matchup. Michigan ran through their opponents as well. Florida kept it close a little bit at the beginning, but just could never get over that eight-point hump. They were always down eight or more. What do you got, Wits? I mean, two power conferences, two hot teams, I would say, right now. What do you like about this matchup, and who do you have, ultimately? Yeah, this is tough for me because I was not a fan of Michigan at all, and they really proved me wrong these first two rounds. I mean, they they destroyed Montana, um, and then they destroyed Florida. It was not a good game. And, you know, I had them them going down in the second round, so this is tough for me because I also had Texas Tech losing. But I'm going to stick with my gut. I'm going to take the Red Raiders plus two. Um, this kind of hurts because I think Michigan is a is secretly a, a much better team than I'm giving them credit for. But, you know, I like Texas Tech. I like the defense there. And I think that's going to be the key to this game. Michigan also has a very good defense. So, you know, John Beeline, 30-6 and six squad. They have, they have actually the number two defense in college basketball right behind Texas Tech. So I think it's great that these teams are going to square off. Um, but I love Texas Tech and the way that they push the ball. You know, 1.69 points per possession in the tournament so far. So, you know, after after they were trailing 25-24 versus Buffalo, opened up a 30-plus point lead in the second half. And I think they're going to explode a little bit in this game versus Michigan and give them a little bit of trouble because I, I don't think Michigan's going to be able to push the pace that much. But I see the Red Raiders um, kind of taking down the Wolverines. So I'm going to take the points. Um, when in doubt, the opening line, underdog, take the points. I like the Red Raiders in this one to advance the Elite Eight versus the Bulldogs. We are getting back into traditional territory. Witch versus Roz. Roz versus Wits. David versus Goliath. And you know who Goliath is out of all of us. Um, Michigan is who I'm taking. Minus two here. And I'll explain. I've been tough on Texas Tech. They proved me wrong in that Buffalo matchup. They were able to be consistent offensively, like you said have been scoring well throughout this tournament. They haven't played a defense like Michigan. I understand Michigan's offense gets very stagnant at times. Look at their games against Michigan State where they were up by double digits and blew those leads. Michigan, though, to me, that defense is going to be too much for Texas Tech. Charles Matthew has reignited this offense in Michigan. I love Samson or Simpson at the point. I think he's going to be hard for Texas Tech to keep up with. Ultimately, Michigan, in a low-scoring affair, covers the two points. I mean, whoever wins this game isn't going to win by less than two. So I'd like it either way. Michigan, minus two, is going to be my pick. I have Michigan-Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. And I'm, I'm assuming that's what's going to turn out to be. But points-wise, take Florida State and take Michigan. The West bracket, like I said, has been chalk all along. I think it's going to remain chalk. 
only place where I don't see much chalk, and we're going to take it up all the way to this, or take it down all the way to the south, is the Virginia bracket. Obviously, we have Virginia, Oregon in the Sweet 16, and Purdue, Tennessee, again, 2 3. So still chalk in the Sweet 16. But let's run through this bracket a little bit. Virginia almost going down again. When they were down 12, how were we feeling? Uh, I was pretty excited. I didn't have Virginia going that far in my bracket. Um, so I, I was pretty pumped, but, you know, they didn't want to make it two years in a row and then played pretty solid in the second round against Oklahoma. Um, it's Virginia team. They're very talented. I think they're a very good basketball team. But just like last year, you know, it was hard when they got down kind of that style that they play to really, you know, push the pace and get back into the game. Um, because this Oregon team is this team is feisty, and I think we've seen that. We saw that in the first round against Wisconsin. I mean, the Oregon-Wisconsin game jump-started my betting, jump-started my bracket, because we had a, we had a brutal first night. Um, but Oregon and UC Irvine, that 12-13, and Oregon winning. Um, we find ourselves here, Oregon versus Virginia. And Roz, this is, this is kind of a tough one for me, too, because I think we've got the line at eight right now. Um, I know a couple of places might have seven and a half, eight and a half. Um, but what, what's our what's our final line we're going to be speaking on for this game? We're going to be speaking on eight. It's been balancing, like you said, between seven and a half and eight and a half. So why not meet in the middle there? We're going to go with eight. And I know me and you are probably projecting to be on different sides of this pick again. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm going to have to go with my ducks again. Um, I thought the second round was such an interesting game because they were favored over UC Irvine. Jumped out to a huge lead, then let up, uh, I think it was a 16-0 run to start the second half. And Oregon didn't score, I think it was for the first eight minutes of the second half. Ended up winning by 20 points. And that just kind of shows you, I think, what kind of run this Oregon team can go on. Um, Kenny well, let Wooten, me, let me think, counter that there. That's, sure. that's not scoring eight minutes against UC Irvine. You don't score eight minutes against Virginia. You don't think that's a completely different story? I mean, this Virginia team, whose defense is already superior to that of UC Irvine or Wisconsin, for that matter, also has the offensive efficiency, unlike the two teams they faced. UC Irvine did make a bit of a run, but never really pulled it enough in. I know they were down four or so when they got to their closest point, but you can't do that against Virginia. And I think that's why Virginia is the sexy pick, at least to me, at this eight-point spread. But I'll let you keep going, dear quack quack and your ducks. Tell Tell me why I should be on your side. Yeah, I mean, I think you got a quack quack because, you know, one of the things about the tournament, you can have all the stats that you want, but Oregon is one of the hottest teams in the nation right now. They rattle off 10 wins in a row. Um, and I just, I don't think, I don't think they're going to win the game. That's my honest opinion. But I think this is going to come down to the wire. This team is playing with a lot of passion right now. I love Kenny Wooten. Um, I love what they're doing. You know, especially that was a very tough, hard-fought win against Wisconsin. And then, you know, the UC Irvine game, was kind of, you know, battled back and forth between having a huge lead and being down. And I thought that Oregon showed me some, showed me some great things that, you know, allow me to think they're going to be able to compete with Virginia. Because as, as good as Virginia can be, you know, I have seen some lapses with that team this season. And it started in the first round. You know, they were, like you said, they were down 12 points. Looked like not only were they going to be the first team ever to lose to a 16 seed, but they were going to do it two years in a row. Um, they came back, played a very solid game versus Oklahoma, but I love this Oregon team. I think they're hot. Um, so I'm going to take the plus eight and I would not, it would not shock me if Oregon were to win this game because although they're a 12 seed, they're completely healthy now. 
Um, and they're one of the hottest teams in the nation. So I think I got to go with the points here and take the Ducks. Completely healthy without their number one player in Bowl Bowl, who will be in the NBA draft come this summer. Virginia, minus eight, I think is the pick. Uh, me and you, we had a great weekend together. I mean, we took some of the same bets. The one we went against each other on, I think I ended up winning that one. Oh, yeah, I did. That was Houston against Ohio State. Follow me on the best, but, folks. But show, show me some love. Who picked Ohio State in the first place against Iowa State? I never took that game. That was a stay-away game. Too late for me to talk to the bookie. The bookie gets annoyed after 9 p.m. on the East Coast time. So I stayed away. But congrats on your Ohio State win. Houston was the game we were talking about, and Virginia is the game I want you to take. Virginia minus eight seems easy to me. Oregon has won 10 in a row. Oregon did go through the Pac-12. Again, a conference that isn't very strong. They have the athletes, they have the talent, but so has the other teams. This Virginia team has faced all year long. Virginia handles their business. I think they win by double digits again. Not too much of a concern. I think it gets a little tight depending on the next matchup we see, uh, either Purdue or Tennessee, who we're going to talk about. Total chalk. Cincinnati let me down on this side. That's pretty much all I have to say. Cincinnati was up 13, blew that lead. Iowa, who's been the comeback kids, and we're going to have a little go at Rick Barnes. He's reached the sniff list here on the opening line. But Purdue, they cruise. They're going to be in the Sweet 16 against Tennessee. Let's talk about Tennessee. Tennessee yeah, Roz, blew a lead against Colgate, blew a game, or blew a lead against Iowa, and me and you were not the happiest of people in that Iowa game. Oh, I, I was absolutely irate. Because um, first of all, like you, I, I had Cincinnati. I think like a lot of people did, um, going pretty far. I had Cincinnati in the Sweet 16. I thought they were going to take down Iowa, which they should have, but they blew the game. Um, I thought they were going to take down Tennessee, but regardless, you know, Tennessee looked, I would say, pretty shaky in their first round game against Colgate. I mean, only winning by seven points, I think. But again, they yeah. had a double digit lead. They were up 17 yeah. at their peak. They did. And we saw one of the more disgusting covers um, in my basketball betting history was by the Iowa Hawkeyes um, on Saturday or on Sunday, excuse me. Tennessee, I was driving home from my bowling league. Tennessee was up. 27 points and I was like minus seven and a half I'm feeling pretty good right now I don't know how much better it could get and that second half was just the game was flipped on its head and we had to have an overtime prayer to possibly cover again which we were and Tennessee found a way to blew it there was a long rebound on that last that desperation shot by Iowa thought we were going to get another foul to maybe push it to eight it didn't happen um but Raza I think the bigger story behind this game is as good as Tennessee can be, you know, they're a team that scares me because, I mean, they might get run out of the gym by Purdue. But at the same time, they might run Purdue out of the gym. So I'm I'm scared about this game. I know it's a real tight spread, but Rick Barnes, I think, once again, has shown us, you know, why he got let go by Texas. Just not not an ideal coach in a big game uh, when you need your team to really buckle down because Tennessee looked lost in that second half. And I know that Rick Barnes isn't on the court, but I've got to put some of the blame on him because they were they were brutal. Um, lost, to let that lost Iowa team everything they were doing. They like they changed their complete formula in the second half and went the opposite direction. The Mike McCarthy of college basketball, right? And I know I harp on Mike McCarthy a lot. You'll be getting that more as we get closer to football <coughs> season. Although he's no longer the head coach of my favorite team in the world, Tennessee just blew that game and didn't look to fix it. They were turning the ball over at an absurd rate and in some ugly fashion ugly ways it was unbelievable to me that rick barnes didn't call timeout sooner faster and more aggressively 
Uh, but like you said, plus one and a half at Purdue is what we have so far. Either team can blow the other one out. Tennessee has that firepower. We saw it. And I think has more talent on the court than Purdue at any given time. But Purdue has the best player in Carson Edwards. But that team goes as Carson Edwards does. And I've seen many games this year where Carson Edwards shooting three for 18, wasn't vital to the team, and they ended up losing to games like Minnesota, Michigan State. It's tough. I know Michigan State's a top team, but they lost some bad games this year when Carson Edwards didn't show up. So I'm actually lost when it comes to this pick. I think I lean towards the Big Ten here. I had Tennessee losing to Cincinnati here anyways. I think I'm going to pick Purdue plus one and a half, but this is definitely a game you stay away from. It's not a trap on either side, but you got to stay away. You know what, Rod? I hate, I hate to do it, but I'm going to agree with you here. Um, Purdue, fantastic game against Villanova. I think, you know, we could both agree with that. Just it was an absolute Jay Wright it was, the national champions. Right. It, it was a beatdown, and I think a lot of people were thinking that, you know, when is Purdue going to let us down and it was going to be against the defending national champs, but they just wiped the floor with Villanova. Um, which leads us to this very interesting matchup. And like I said, I'm not going to stay away from it, but I am going to, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to do half my bet. I'm going to do half a unit on this game because I'm not very confident um, in either side, but I'm going to take the half unit. I'm going to take Tennessee minus the points here, Roz. I just think, you know, I think, I think we're due for a solid two half effort, not just one half, two half effort by Tennessee. Um, and I think Carson Edwards is going to hit a little bit of a cold streak here. I know he made nine threes in the last game, but I think Tennessee is a lot more athletic and a lot more talented than Villanova this year. So I, I do, as much as I don't like Tennessee, I do like him to cover the spread here, minus one and a half. But I'm going to lower my bet down to a half a unit because um, I'm just I'm not very confident in either side. And it pains me to take Tennessee, but I'm going to do it again. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. But well, you're setting up for talks. the per- you're setting up for the perfect segue here. I mean, me and you, four games in a row were against each other. This is like old fashioned head headbangers between me and you. And if you're new to the show, this is fantastic because you're gonna know who to ride with past the Sweet 16. If you're new to the show, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Spreakers. Rate us on Facebook, iTunes, wherever you can find a rating system. Leave a question. We'll answer it on the show. We'll give you a shout-out. This is the opening line. Let's move on to the East, where there might have been the best game of the first and second round, especially the second round. We have Duke, Virginia Tech in the Sweet 16, and Michigan State, LSU in the Sweet 16, so all chalk. But it took the chalk a little bit more to get there. Duke, UCF. Obviously, the game of the second round, that ball should have Might fallen. be the game of the tournament. Might be the game of the tournament. That ball should have fallen. It's the second time this year they got away on a ball that rimmed out at the buzzer. Wake Forest was the losing team in that other game. Duke, tough. It's tough to watch that because that is exactly how they lose. They can't shoot free throws. Zion missing that last free throw. Thank God for R.J. Barrett putting the ball back into the hoop off an offensive rebound. They can't shoot threes unless it was Cam Reddish with the most desperate three they needed down 74-70. It's a tough scoring team for Duke. They don't have a lot of shooters. Their free throw line effort is poor. And UCF really used Taco Fall to their advantage. And he's too big down low like I was afraid he might be. Duke didn't cover the spread. They are moving on. But that was a crazy, crazy game. Yeah, it was nuts. And 
know, I had UCF in that game plus the points. We had him at plus 13. And there was a certain point where I stopped worrying about the spread, and I was like, you know, with five minutes left, I was like, UCF has a chance to win this game. And, Roz, I, I hate to break it, but they absolutely should have won the game. Up four points with a two-on-one fast break, and instead of going for the bounce pass, we went for the alley-oop, didn't convert, and that's when Cam Reddish came down, knocked down the three. Then we had Zion Williamson putting the team on his back and driving it, taking it to the hoop. And this is the one thing about basketball. Like, I'm not a good basketball player, but I know that if a guy's taking it up, you either, you either let him you either let him get it in because they're up three points with, I don't know how many, there was, there was very little time left. I don't think there was a shot clock left in the game. Or you follow him hard enough where he doesn't make the and one. And Taco Fall did neither. Fouled Zion Williamson, gave him a chance at a free throw. And not only did he not make the free throw, but he missed it. And Duke got the two points. And it was kind of comical, you know, right as Taco Fall fouls out. Um, R.J. Barrett grabs that offensive rebound, which would have likely been Taco Fall grabbing that rebound. And after all that, after all the drama, we were one tipping away from Dawkins sending Duke home, the number one overall seed, in a game that I was very unimpressed by Coach K in this game. Because for me, Duke just, they didn't really do anything. I mean, they just rely on their three big players, didn't really run any offense. I love Johnny Dawkins as the head coach of UCF, what he did with this Golden Knights team, who's nowhere near as good as Duke, but their game plan was so superb and so superior to Duke's that I really th- thought they should have won this game straight up. Didn't work out. Um, you know, the last second try didn't go in, and I remember I was screaming at the top of my lungs knowing that all these people have Duke winning their bracket, and I didn't, so I was hoping that they would get knocked out, but... Roz, I think a little foreshadowing here. I think we might have seen the next head coach at Duke University, um, Johnny Dawkins, I think, the former Coach K recruit. Um, I think he's in line for the next uh, head coaching spot there at Duke because he coached a hell of a game. Um, but Duke moves on. Zion Williamson with the N1, R.J. Barrett. Their big players came through when they really needed them. But UCF, I think, really blew this game down the stretch. And you know what? We move on in heartbreak, but we that's do. just the way the tournament goes. But they'll face their ACC rival, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech handling St. Louis round one. Got a bit of a scare against Liberty. Liberty just missing some shots down the line. We didn't right. pull that's, off that cover. We finished with that. The first push, push the first push of the tournament, which first was push. A, a good push, I would say. You know, being down at half by three points, was very happy, you know, how this game ended up that, you know, we had a Virginia Tech minus nine and they ended up pushing, which was fine. Um, was had a chance game. at the you end. just wanted to get out of that. It was an escape. But with a long rebound at the end, also, we had a chance to cover, I think. But, you know, I'll gladly take the escape there. But, Roz, interesting. Virginia Tech actually beat Duke earlier this season. And you think they have a chance to do it again here? Duke minus seven. So another decently big spread for these one seed. I think me and you are going to disagree again. Just totally uh, the theme of this show. Duke minus seven is what I like, 100%. We've seen it so far this tournament. We've seen the Kansases blow out teams and then get themselves blown out. We've seen the close games, Virginia, UNC, and then they come out and blow out their next opponents. Duke was given the game. They should have lost. They got away with some miracle. They're going to come. They understand that Robinson's back for Virginia Tech. 
but they're going to put the beat down on Virginia Tech, a team that's a decent three-point shooting team, but also goes through their woes. Duke isn't concerned. They're going to run. They're going to score. They're going to cover the seven-point spread in this Sweet 16 matchup. Oh, boy. I hate to do it. I'm going to have to go on the other side here. Hate um, to do this it. Game I kind of love to do it. I know I don't like to do it because, you know, as, as bad as Duke looked in that game against UCF, um, they're a team that could win this game, I think, by 20 points, and it, it could be relatively easy. Um, but now that Justin Robinson's back, you know, I think this Virginia Tech team is a very good shooting team. And I think we saw in that UCF game, they made their shots, um, and Duke definitely struggled a little bit. So we'll see how this game plays out. But Coach K, they're going to need to run some sort of some sort of offense here. I don't think, but I think Virginia Tech is a better team than UCF. Um, so I don't think Duke is going to walk all over them. But, you know, Virginia Tech comes out with a poor effort, you know, kind of like the one they did against Liberty in the first half. It could be, could be an early exit for the Hokies here, but I am going to take them plus the points as much as I don't want to, um, plus seven here. And then we look at the bottom of the East region, Roz. Michigan State with a pretty pretty resounding victory against Minnesota uh won by 20 points that game was not close the entire way and sitting there having Minnesota plus 10 and a half was a pretty uh pretty excruciating to watch because they just never got anything going um especially when your boy Ross was on the other side with Michigan especially minus 10 and a half yeah yeah. Michigan State minus 10 and a half he had it covered easy um but Roz, I think probably my second game of the tournament right now LSU Maryland and a little backstory on this game had LSU in the bracket took Maryland plus three so the only thing I was hoping for that last possession was a buzzer beater layup and that's exactly what happened Maryland what an unbelievable effort Ronaldo um, Smith two huge factors in that game but it just wasn't enough for Maryland but they had an awesome second half comeback and I thought we were going to see overtime but we didn't and it worked out for both parties we won Maryland plus three in that one, but LSU moves on to face Michigan State, Roz, and this is, I think this is going to be a tight game as well. I think LSU's got a lot of talent, but Michigan State, I think, showed us when they're playing at the top of their level, they're, they're a very hard team to beat, and I think LSU, they could, they could have a tough time against the Spartans in this one. Completely agree. Maryland, I was really pulling for. I thought they could have pulled that game off too slow in the first half. You can't dig yourself out of holes every game. Um, Fernando was obviously a beast down low. It was tough, especially since I believe it was a carry. I know we pulled it off and got the W uh, when it comes to the spread, but part of me this time of year loves winning those spread games, but I love my bracket even more. It would have been nice to receive Maryland in the Sweet 16 like I had selected. Belmont gave him a game in the first round. Yale gave LSU a game. These were fun games to begin with, and that whole bracket seemed to be fun. Even Michigan State given a little bit. Uh, six points is the spread. Michigan State favored in this game in the Sweet 16. I'm going to keep going with the favorites. I'm going to keep riding it. Michigan State minus six. I think they have everything they need to match up perfectly, perfectly against LSU. I know how good Tremont Waters has been. I understand this LSU team is athletic and at times just dominant down low. But they go on scoring woes, and we've seen what Michigan State does to teams who can't con- consistently score throughout the game. I think Michigan State takes this literally between six or eight points. Good enough to get me a push. Maybe this turns into an escape game, but I really think they're going to end up covering this game. Michigan State over LSU setting up for me what I think is going to be the best game of the tournament, Michigan State-Duke. 
because I think it puts the ACC versus the Big Ten, the two best in their respective conferences, up against one another. But give me Michigan State, and let me get minus six. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to ride the Michigan State train in this one, Roz. We're um, on a team, baby. Let's go. I think this LSU team is extremely talented, but Michigan State, I think, against not a very good Minnesota team, but I think they showed you, you know, what they can do when they get things going. Cassius Winston, uh, one of the best players in college basketball. And I think this LSU team is as good as they played in that first half and, you know, got to give them a lot of credit for winning that game down the stretch against Maryland. I think Michigan State is going to be too much. Um, and I think this is going to be a 9 or 10-point game. And it's always interesting at the end of these games with the free throws, you know, no lead is safe. We experienced that with Tennessee. Um, not even a 27-point lead is safe. So I'm going to take Michigan State in this one. Uh, love Tom Izzo. And I think, like you said, this is probably going to set up you know, one of the matchups a lot of people were looking forward to, Michigan State versus Duke in the Elite Eight, you know, assuming that the Spartans and the Blue Devils come away victorious. Um, and, Roz, that that leaves us with the final section of the bracket, the Midwest region, um, in which I know you have your champion coming out of and I have my champion coming out of. Um, so, Roz, what have you seen from the Midwest region so far? I know there's been a couple of good games, a couple upsets. Um, but we sit here one, two, three, five. So almost went chalk. Um, but just kind of the theme of this tournament, it's been pretty chalky so far. So what what have you seen out of the Midwest? Yeah, Midwest, Houston's proven to be the team that I was hoping they'd be in this tournament. I think they're going to give Kentucky a great game, but we'll get into that in a bit. They took care of their business against Ohio State and George, Georgia State. My God, forgetting their names. Kentucky, doing their job. I thought Wofford was going to be able to produce the way they did. Me and you having Kentucky minus five was huge. That We got those free throws at the end. But Wofford, that kind of shooting team can scare teams like Kentucky. And I think they scared Kentucky. And Kentucky's lucky to be moving on. I think it's going to be a great matchup against Houston. Kansas, it was Bill Seth's year to just sit on the bench. They looked great in the first round. Gave me a lot of hope for the last part of this massive parlay I had. All I needed was the nice W. And Auburn shot the lights out of the gym. Screw the metaphor. They literally shot the lights out. Seven of eight from three to start the game. They were up 20 before I could even see the first commercial break. It was ridiculous. Kansas had an all-around bad year. I know there was a lot of injuries. I don't think the recruiting is where it has been for Bill Self in years past. And Auburn's looked like a freak show. They've scored often and fast. I know New Mexico State gave them a scare at the end of the game, but that was all Auburn's inconsistency and turning over the ball down the stretch. Auburn's been a fun electric team. I think they are going to meet their match in UNC. And UNC is just doing their job. They're moving forward as a one seed. So we got these matchups with. This is what I've taken from this Midwest. I think North Carolina minus five handles it. Auburn's not going to start seven of eight from behind the arc again. I don't think they're going to shoot as well as they have been. They're a hot team, much like Oregon winning the SEC. But it ends here. North Carolina handles the business, minus five. Kobe White has been out of his mind since the second round, obviously only a round to go, but Kobe White's going to continue to lead this team with Luke May being the cornerstone to the UNC championship run. Yeah, and you look at some of these numbers for Auburn, I mean, they're sick. You know, 25 of 61 from three, um, forcing 32 turnovers compared to only committing 16. And, Roz, like you mentioned, it was – a very disappointing second round because not only did I have New Mexico State beating Auburn, 
in which Auburn did everything they could possibly do to try to lose that first round game. Um, didn't end up happening. But Kansas, you know, I thought it was a team that has definitely had a disappointing year. I mean, I know they're without two of their best players, but still had enough talent to garner a four seed in the Midwest. And after handling Northeastern in the first round, I thought that Kansas was going to be a team that was going to surprise some people, set up a Sweet 16 matchup with North Carolina. Um, but, you know, they were they were down 51 to 25 at half versus Auburn. And like you said, Auburn shot absolutely lights out and it was it was too much for the Jayhawks. So it was definitely disappointing. I didn't have Auburn moving on. I had New Mexico State, Kansas with Kansas beating the Aggies. But Auburn, this is a very tough team. But Raz, honestly, I think North Carolina is the most balanced team in college basketball right now. I mean, you look at unique blend of the veteran presence and the youth. Um, Cameron Johnson, senior, led the ACC in three-point percentage. You've got Luke May, who it seems like he's been playing in the NCAA tournament for the past like seven years, um, averaged a double-double this season. Kenny Williams and May, you know, they've already been a part of two teams who've made the national championship. And then Kobe White, very exciting, unbelievable replacement for Joel Berry, the second, emerging as just one of two freshmen in the country averaging over 16 points and four assists per game, the other one being R.J. Barrett. Not to mention they have Nazir Little coming off the bench of another right. freshman phenom who will be a top-five pick. Right. I mean, North Carolina, and they really showed us, I think, in that second round that, you know, although Washington is not a good team, um, not by any stretch, but this game was dominated by North Carolina. And although five points, I mean, not ideal, but I, I do think they're going to handle the Tigers in this one, I think they're just going to be too much. And if all, unless Auburn is just scorching hot like they were against Kansas, I think that's going to be tough to compete with North Carolina because I think North Carolina is just a better team. Um, looking at the bottom of this bracket, though, the Buckeyes round one shocked a lot of people except for Wits by taking down the Cyclones in Iowa State. Um, Iowa State has won three big, I think, two or three Big Twelve titles in the past five years. You know how many tournament wins they had to show for it? One. Um, Ohio State, unbelievable first-round game. Weren't able to get it done against Houston. Um, but like you mentioned, Roz, Houston was a team on your radar. It looked awesome in round one against Georgia State. Looked, I think, arguably even better against the Buckeyes in round two. And that sets up, I think, for me, the most interesting matchup of the Sweet 16, Houston versus Kentucky. Because right. Kentucky, we're still waiting on news. You know, is P.J. Washington going to suit up? You know, the news is that he's still in the walking boot. It's kind of tough to say right now if he doesn't practice at all this week, is he going to suit up against Houston? Um, is this Kentucky team good enough to beat Houston without P.J. Washington? Absolutely, 100%. But it would be nice to have your best player on the floor because um, Kentucky, I mean, first-round matchup against Abilene Christian, wiped the floor with them. And then second round, that was a very scrappy Wofford team. Um and they ended up not only winning, but having the backdoor cover with the Alex Hero free throws there at the end. So this is going to be a very exciting game, but I am going to take Kentucky minus the two points here. Um, and you look at Kentucky, for only the second time in 10 years, Kentucky's leading scorer is not a freshman, and the leading scorer would be P.J. Washington. So if he plays, I think it's going to be a huge factor in this game, but I think they've got a lot of talented freshmen right alongside him. You know, Tyler Hero. Keldon Johnson, I think they're capable of putting up a lot of points against this Houston team. They're also ranked, surprisingly, top 10 in the country in free throws made, which, as we know, 
is going to play a big factor down the stretch in any close tournament game. So I do like Kentucky here, minus the points. They're also my national champion. I might be a little bit biased, but I do think the Wildcats move on to face North Carolina in the Elite Eight in the Midwest. The bias is getting to your head, and I love it. (laughs) Give me the Houston Cougars plus three. This is going to be a scrappy one. And if Tyler Hero goes off, I'm in some trouble, but I don't think he's going to go off. I think Houston's going to muscle this team. I know P.J. Washington's still unclear whether or not he's going to play. Kentucky, their favorite is growing. They started at minus one and a half. It's already up to minus three. So if that's any indicator that P.J. Washington might, in fact, be playing, let it be known. I do like Houston here. I do have them beating Kentucky in my bracket. This might be the most biased game me and Wits pick until potentially a UNC-Kentucky matchup. I'm going to go Houston here. Sets up an interesting matchup against UNC. One, I think, where they will dominate. But Houston plus three, leaving me and Wits with only two games of agreement. And that was the 2005 National Championship. Michigan State, North Carolina. We're taking them both this year together here in the Sweet 16. That has been March Madness. We have been all over it for you guys. A lot's going to happen. We'll give you some recap when we get back. But, Wits, we're not closing NCAA basketball just yet. Will Kane today made a very interesting point, and I thought me and you should go back and forth a little bit here because I don't know if we're going to agree, but I think it's an interesting topic. If Zion Williamson was in the NBA right now, or goes going to do, is he a top 50 player in the NBA? Wow. Put, really putting me on the spot here. I'm putting you on the spot. I want I saw this today. I didn't even want to let you know before we started recording. It was the most intriguing thing I've seen all day. I wanted to have this discussion because I think he would be a top 50 player, but I see both sides of the argument, and I kind of think you lean that he would be. Uh, you know what? I actually I think he would be. I think he's probably right on the borderline. You know, Zion Williamson, he, you know, as much as the comparison he's drawn to LeBron you know, over the past couple of years, Kind of reminds me a little bit of him. You know, you're looking at a guy who is extremely athletic, but is also a massive body. I mean, I think the guy weighs like 280 pounds. The athleticism, the ability to get to the rack. Um, they both and come the in with unique bodies. It was like the NBA has never seen these type of players. Right. I mean, you, you get a guy who is arguably the most athletic player out there and also happens to be, you know, one of the biggest and the strongest. Um, and that's, I think that's kind of, you look at LeBron's career, I mean, there's, I think there's really been like nobody who's matched up athletically with him. And at the start of his career, and even still, you know, still struggles a little bit with the shot, which I think Zion Williamson, you know, he has the ability to knock down, um, knock down some, some big shots. But I think that's one of the things he's going to need to work on at the next level. But I think he would be a top 50 player. Just so athletic, so much ability to get to the hoop, which I think is, you know, obviously super important at any level in the game. So I would give him the top 50 nod. Um, but, you know, there's right a, now. There's just this feel. You know, like we got Wiggins and Jabari Parker, and there was the talk that that was going to be the best draft class since the 2003 one. And who knows, we could be coming upon that again this year. I mean, like I said, we got players like Nazir Little, Ja Morant, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, Bull Bull. Um, It goes on. And then obviously Zion at the top of it. I think Zion reinvigorates the league. I don't know where he's going to go. You think about all these things like them fixing the draft to send New York. New York's been so god-awful when it comes to basketball and literally all their sports. We can do the whole Odell Beckham thing all over again, but we don't need to. 
Uh, I think Zion is going to be spectacular. I think we can argue he'll finish in the top 25 in terms of players after his first season next year. But right now, I totally think he's a top 50 player. Without a question, they haven't seen a body like him. I don't think everybody can guard him. I know he's young, considered an undersized power forward. He might slip into that small forward role, which I think would better suit him, kind of like the LeBron. Uh, Zion, to me, going to be an animal, going to be a beast, and I think he would be a beast this year. I think we would see comparable numbers from Zion to LeBron's rookie seasons, and that's a lot comparing a guy to LeBron because I don't even think at their peak Jabari or Andrew Wiggins got those comparisons. I heard Carmelo Anthony for Jabari Parker, but it's been a slow start for them. Zion, I, I'm interested that you kind of agree with me here that he's a top 50 guy. Zion, top 50. I just thought it'd be interesting to bring that up. Just uh, just putting it out in the universe. Yeah, and I think it's cool that we get to, you know, still see him play in this tournament because I think, you know, Duke is, you know, the odds-on favorite to win it all. They, they kicked off at 2-1, to one, so a pretty, a pretty big favorite in the tournament here. Um, but we've got a lot of exciting basketball for you guys. Gave, gave you all our picks, so we'll, we'll see how they shake out next week. Uh, and then, you know, the next time we, we see you guys, we'll be talking about the Final Four. Um, so it's, it's going to be a very exciting Thursday through Sunday again. Um, but, Roz, nothing like that first weekend of the tournament. I mean, besides getting off the couch to eat, I mean, my, my butt was parked there for 25, 30 hours this weekend, and I loved it. And I yeah, didn't watch man. a minute of college basketball this entire year. I thought about bringing a sponge out there. I didn't plan on getting up to shower. I didn't care if Paris Hilton was ready to go out that night. I was going to sit right on that couch, wasn't budging, was going to gamble on every game I could. And like we said, we came out positive, both of us. But in the midst of all this March Madness, we have to remember that we cover all sports. So we're just yes, doing we a couple, do. head, couple headline grabs. Just real quick, we're going to kind of say what first comes to our mind when we see them, and we're going to leave you guys off and come back. Next week with another great episode. Two massive retirements. One that breaks the soul, and I think there's a lot of trouble going on with this one person. And one that's been been on the horizon for some time. We had Rob Gronkowski retiring from the Patriots and Conor McGregor retiring from MMA. Rob Gronkowski, to me, I don't think this is the end. I think we see him down the line. He's been injured a lot the last three or four seasons. He needs a break. He needs to party. And like I said, maybe Paris Hilton's more at his doorstep than she is at mine. Um, but Rob's less less surprising. The Conor McGregor one, though. Boy, oh boy. I know a lot of legal stuff going on, but surprised me and really kind of put me down. That's a guy I love to see fight and a guy I throw my money on blindly. I, you know that. I put all my money I had on him beating Mayweather. Probably the dumbest bet I've ever taken. But wits, that hurts. The guy I love to see fight, win, or lose. Yeah, Conor McGregor, I mean, I know we got some legal things going on right now, so I guess we'll wait and see how that shakes out. But definitely one of the better competitors, um, I think, in all sports. And as much trash as he talked over the years, um, win or lose, I thought the guy was a, you know, was a pretty stand-up guy. Um, but now I know the in incident, the octagon. I know I, with all At this legal the, stuff, I don't the know. The Khabib incident, I, I can't give him a pass for that. But, you know, it was nice to see when he was at the top of the sport and he lost, you know, to uh, Nate Diaz that first time. Um, he just said, you know, I lost. I'm going to come back and that's it. So I always appreciated that. I know he did some other things that I don't necessarily agree with. Um, but the Rob Gronkowski um, retirement, Gronk was one of the, I think, will go down as one of the most fun players in you know the history of the national football league i mean always a guy with a smile on his face 
And it, you know, it really hurt to see him, you know, deal with all these injuries the past few years. And I think that's that's probably got to play a major reason into why he's hanging up the cleats for now. Like you said, he could be back. Um, but Rob Gronkowski, I think, is will go down as one of the best tight ends in the history of the league. Um, I think third most touchdown receptions of all time, and was a major piece in three Super Bowl titles for the Patriots. So sad to see him go, but glad that we got the opportunity. Um, to enjoy it while it lasted and always showed up in the big games. I mean, I was listening to Golick and Wingo a couple days ago, and they showed his line. He played 16 postseason games, and his line was like 80 grabs, 1,100 yards, and 13 touchdowns. I mean, the guy showed up when it really mattered, and I think that's a, you know, a major reason you know, why the Patriots were so successful um, You know, with him on and off the field. Just having him as a part of the team was pretty special. And then Roz? You mentioned that we cover all sports, so we would be remiss if we didn't bring up the fact that it is opening day tomorrow. Major League Baseball here to stay for the next six or seven months, however long it is. It's a great season. It's a long season. I hope you're excited. you got a lot of new faces, a lot of new places, um, a lot of great stuff going on this year in Major League Baseball. So I am pumped about that. We are going to give you some picks every week. I wasn't um, gonna let you down. I was good. That was my next thing. I was gonna do. I, I had. I had. I had to cut you off. Um, but a couple of things I'm looking for this year, Roz. The NL East, the new look NL East. Um, the Phillies, a lot of big acquisitions this year. Andrew McCutcheon, Gene Segura, JT Real Muto, and of course the big wig, Bryce Harper. Upgrade in this Phillies lineup. Excited to see Ronald Acuna in his sophomore season. The NL East is gonna be an awesome division. Um. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I also am looking forward to the AL East because I think the Rays might make a little bit of a push here for the division and a wild card spot. But we've got a lot of great stuff going on in Major League Baseball. So tune in tomorrow. We're going to have games every day for the next six months. So enjoy, and uh, it's, it's going to be a fun ride this year. Quickly stay woke on the two retirements. We could see a McGregor pulling a Mayweather. I mean, it's a money grab. Bring back a retired McGregor, pay him hundreds of millions of dollars. And Gronk, younger than Witten, wouldn't be surprised to see him back down the line. But Wits, I know how much you love baseball. I got to keep you to a word association. Could be one to three words here. Mike Trout's $430 million deal. Give me some love. Well deserved. He's worth it. Perfect. Well, that has been the opening line with Wits and Roz. Always a pleasure to have you guys listening. Always a pleasure to give you our picks. We'll have the numbers crunch for you so you know who to ride with a little bit more. But if you want to listen to us, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker. Give us a like. Give us a subscription. Give us a follow. Go to Believe.com if you want to advertise with us. We'd be happy to advertise for you. And we're here for you guys. If you got questions, you've got comments, concerns, let us know, and we'll put you right on the show. This has been the opening line. Have a fantastic Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.